Welcome to episode 32 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener and you enjoy the show, we would really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching us on YouTube, and you enjoy the content, it would be a big time help if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. All right. As of Wednesday, August 18th, 2021, we are in the dog days of summer right now. There's not Uh too much going on in the NHL, but... This is going to be a great episode because we are going to talk NHL contracts. We are going to get into an article written by Dom LeCision of The Athletic who ranked teams by the value of their contracts. And we're going to get into the ins and outs and kind of how he he ranked all these teams. But before we do that, it is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Anthony Bruno. Very excited to be back. Like you said, it's the dog days of summer. I will say, you know, it's a slow season when you put on Sports Center and the first 20 minutes are dedicated to uh, CFL. But here we are. We're going to talk NHL contracts. Uh, episode 32 of the GFP podcast. Shout out to Steve Thomas, who love in it, 2000, who, 2000 against the Ottawa Senators, game five, scored the overtime winner. And if anyone out there has some time, go on YouTube and watch that overtime because it was an absolute blast of back and forth action, missed chances, off the post, this and that. And a little bit nostalgic to uh, go back to a time when the Toronto Maple Leafs actually won playoff series. So have fun with that, everyone. Yeah, man. Stumpy's the best. I remember his, his son is like close to my age. And every okay. time we'd be at the rink, you know, hockey tournaments or just re- you know regular season games or whatever, He'd always be there and everyone would always be like, oh, there's Steve Thomas. He's on the glass. And he'd just be like kind of chilling by himself. But like everyone just, oh, everyone used to just love that dude. Oh, what what a playoff player. Like I think he had like five goals in that series or something. Just what a guy. Yeah, great player. Yeah, so shout out to Steve Thomas. But Lepore, it is time to jump right into this episode And like I mentioned, we're going to go over NHL contracts. One other thing I should mention, stay tuned for the end of this podcast because we are going to talk about the Leafs Amazon documentary, All or Nothing. We're going to give give our initial take on that. The series does not drop until October 1st, but we're going to get into that a little bit. But Lepore, let's let's begin here with these NHL contracts, okay? So if you don't follow him on Twitter, Dom LeCision, he's a... He's, you know, one of the big voices in the hockey analytics community. He's a writer for The Athletic, and he wrote a piece ranking the best con the teams that have the best contracts in the NHL. So basically what he did was look at what you're paying certain players, how much value are you getting from them over the length of their contracts. Now, this doesn't include goalies. It doesn't include players on entry-level contracts, and it doesn't include restricted free agents without a deal. So for example, guys like Brady Kachuk on the senators, who's a restricted free agent right now has yet to get his new contract. Right. So going over the rankings, 
Um, I'll just run through the top five real quick. So he has the Colorado Avalanche at number one. Shocking. The Florida Panthers at number two. And then your Toronto Maple Leafs at number three. Number four is the Boston Bruins. And rounding out the top five is the Vegas Golden Knights. Yep. So, Lapore, let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think a lot of people would probably be surprised by their ranking yeah. here. Yeah. Being third on this list, you know, because everyone loves to make fun of the Leafs saying how they're paying, you know, 40 and a half million dollars to Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. And they're going to be in all this cap trouble because they're paying those guys too much. And it's a disaster. And Matthews is going to go to Arizona and on and on and on. Before. <laughs> yeah. It's always but, fun. <laughs> but what is your, what is your initial take here on the Toronto Maple Leafs being third on this list? To be honest, I'm not that shocked that the Leafs were ranked that high simply because I've, I've always pointed to the Leafs and said, okay, show me who a bad deal is. And people are already responding saying Mitch Marner, John Tavares. And I think that's more on the side of the argument of how the Leafs are built. And I'll listen to that argument about, okay, they'd be better off spending that money in depth or on D. But in terms of the individual, the individual player and in Dom Lecision's model, that player's wins above replacement. I look at these deals and like, yeah, I agree with them for the most part. Um, but again, reminder, everyone, before you go nuts in the comment section, because we're uh, destroying the, uh, the contracts on your favorite team, these are Dom Lecision's models, not Bruno and I's models. So keep that in mind, everyone. So starting at the top, Austin Matthews, he had Matthews at an amazing contract, like an unbelievable contract. Three years left on the deal. He has him at a surplus of $17.7 million. So quick math. And again, like we'll get to different players and how like he shows the model and like the, the value that player can hold. He is Matthews valued at $17 million ish. So like in his model, you could be paying Austin Matthews $17 million and that's a fair deal. So it's kind of funny. And I think it goes to show with like, it kind of represents how his model works in the way that it clearly pushes offense, like guys who get points, guys who score goals. And again, perspective, like Matthews was pushing, did he have a 60 goal pace last year? Yeah. It's 65 like, goal pace. Last yeah. There, year. there you go. So like you look at today's NHL, if there was a free agent who was a 30 to 35 goal guy guaranteed, it's like, yeah, he would get like in the seven, eight, million dollars like no doubt and then it's like to say matthews is double that that just kind of represents like lecision's model going down even mitch marner get ready for the controversy controversy uh -oh. everyone uh-oh exactly so marner he had him as a surplus of 11.5 million spread over four years that works out to about just under three million a year so he had marner at about 13.75 million in terms in terms of value and again everyone going crazy Mitch Marner was fourth in the league in scoring and was a first team all-star. So in today's NHL, you, you pay for points. That's the, the world we live in. And, and that's but, another thing, Lepore. I believe, I don't think this model takes into account any of your playoff stats. No, <laughs> he actually, it's, go ahead. It's, it's all regular season numbers. So yeah. So people freaking out saying that Marner has one goal in his last 18 playoff games or whatever the hell it is like that is not being taken into consideration in this model. Yeah. And he, he actually made the point in his little write up about the Leafs saying how 
Matthews and Marner are both on amazing deals based on their production, but based on their playoff production, it's like, well, it's terrible. Like he acknowledged that if this was a playoff model, it's absolutely terrible. And you can't really argue with that, but moving down, he has as the third best contract on the Toronto Maple Leafs, our boy, our favorite Jason Spezza. He has Spezza. Let's go. Let's go. He has, and, and again, this is where you get value from a team. And this is where I like point to teams and say, wow, this is how you, build a team that can contend he is Spezza based on his model at a 1.8 million dollar surplus the guy's making league men so he has Jason Spezza in and around two and a half million dollars to get a fair deal based on what he brings in terms of like wins and, and that wins makes and sense yeah it's especially fair, based exactly. on what he did last year I think he was like third in the league in five on five points for 60 minutes Great. it was like McDavid Brad Marchand and Jason Spezza. Number <laughs> three. Insane. Spezza. Gotta love him. This one shocked me. The next one really shocked me. And what I what popped into my head with this one is a lot of these guys, when they do their advanced stats models or metrics models, they don't take into account or they can't really take into account uh, talent. So like they see these models that say, okay, this guy creates this many chances for, he's on the ice for this many chances against wins losses tied to his production but again like a player getting 10 breakaways versus another player getting 10 breakaways it's hard for them within the model to say okay this player will score six times this player will score three times and i think that may may have come into play here because he is as the next best contract on the toronto maple Leafs as far as forwards go as Ilya mikhaev mikhaev he is mikhaev as a 1.6 million dollar surplus on his deal and i was like mm, like okay and like and like i said maybe he doesn't take into account like a talent model or like a shooting model like i know moneypuck.com when you watch the deserve a win a meter thing it's based on average shooting numbers so like people will say like okay i don't know detroit outplayed colorado 55 45 yeah but colorado doesn't need as many shots to score as detroit does so I'd like to know like how this model broke down, like as far as like a player like Mikheyev goes, where it's like, well, if you put in his shooting talent, like it's not looking as good. Yeah, and that's and that could be a blind spot in the model and any model really, right? Because yeah, it's more, it's it's not just it's it's an art and a science, right? right? And anyone who's watched the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know that Ilya Mikheyev, his finishing ability is quite frankly trash honestly like i wouldn't invite him to my friday morning pickup hockey (laughs) (laughs) like that dude he can have all the breakaways in the world like you give eli mckay of 10 breakaways i think honestly i i wouldn't be confident that he's scoring (laughs) more than one goal on 10 breakaways and what's the over under on hitting the net (laughs) maybe five or six yeah Yeah, so he's like yeah and and that's the thing right so those are the things you have to kind of take into consideration in this in this model as well yeah and these rankings i should say the next one he has and again see the leafs are so fun to talk about because again i I can feel the comment down below everybody i can feel the comments coming in the next best one at a 2.7 million dollar surplus over three years is our boy we William Nylander. I he love has, it, Lapore. I, I love, love it. it. He he makes an, a, a point, right? William Nylander is a first-line forward in the NHL. And he, I, if I remember correctly, he has him, like, at his value. You could be, you'd be getting fair value at 7.5 to $8 million a year, and he's making 6.9. So, again, it's, it's a nice one for the Leafs. And, like, the joke, as much as your uncle hates uh, William Nylander, it's a good player. Sorry, guys. Yeah, Lapore, have you noticed that all that chatter about 
you know, I mean, I, I shouldn't say it's totally gone the trade Nylander chatter, but just like the, you know, people ripping this guy and saying he's overpaid and all this crap. You notice how that's quieted down, especially well, yeah, over the last year, and especially an seeing season. how he performed in the playoffs against Montreal. Yeah. He was the only guy scoring in the in the playoffs against Montreal. But no, great. But what I was able with Nylander too is like, and again, how you, you, beca- you how quickly you become spoiled. Think of how many teams like I'm not saying you don't think of Willie Nylander as like a star player on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But he's kind of like in group B, whereas on how many teams like, no, he's hard group A, like like first liner again, like the Toronto Maple Leafs facts are facts. They have a first team all star in Marner and a second team all star in Matthews, who's only behind McDavid. So to be like the third or fourth best forward is like pretty freaking good on that team, whereas other teams would give their left nut for a William Nylander 30 goal scorer, right? Yeah. So. And now looking at some of the contracts that have been handed out, and I know this offseason was just ridiculous in terms of the money defensemen were getting, mm-hmm. but even seeing what some of the forwards have gotten, like honestly, William Nylander at 6.9 million, oh, looking pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving moving down, we'll go to D now, and this one is worth talking about because this is going to be the chatter all over Leafland for the next little while. Morgan Riley, and I can again, Bruno, I can feel the comments coming. I can feel They're them flooding in. Lepore. They're coming in. Decision put Riley at a four point three million dollar surplus with one year to go on his deal. That puts his value, according to his model, in and around nine million. That's that's like A plus D man money. So have your take, everyone. I mean, we're going to have to, there's a lot of discussions on like the re-signing of Morgan Riley, how much he deserves, how much time he should get. But according to this model, anyway, right now, the Leafs are getting an absolute steal with that player. All right. So Lepore, looking at the contracts that Seth Jones got, you know, Darnell Nurse, Zach Wierenski. Kale McCarr. <laughs> Kale McCarr, and I know McCarr, you know, yeah, he's only like what 22. He's he's the youngest guy of that group. And he's but, another planet, too. So. Exactly. And he's just like he he's that dude's insane. He's an alien. He's probably the best of he's going to be the best defenseman in the NHL for mm-hmm. probably the next five years, if not longer. But um, Lapore, would you give Morgan Riley a similar contract? Like, would you would you hand out a nine million dollar contract to Morgan Riley? No. Neither would I. No, you can't. And like, like the guys you mentioned too, like all good defensemen, but the only one of those contracts I would want would be Makar because of his age. It's like nurse. It's like, I don't know, man. It's the nurse one's loaded. Like he's young as well, but like looking, you said, you mentioned Warinsky and like other defensemen on the league and what they're getting. I just think you can get better value than like Morgan Riley at 9 million. And let's face it at nine, at a $9 million AAV, there's gotta be term attached to it. So it's like, what does that deal look like in a few years? And then there's also the matter of they're still saying the cap ain't going up, Bruno. So how do the Leafs just keep a player and add $3.5 million to his salary? Yeah, it, it's really tough. But you want to know something that's interesting? You know that Darnell Nurse is just one year younger than Morgan Riley. It's funny because as I was saying it, I'm like, wait a second, how old is Nurse? Yeah, because he's in his. Because did he he signed a bridge? Am I right about that? Yeah, I believe he signed. I think he signed somewhere like his current contract is like in the five million range. I want to yeah, say. Yeah, that rings a bell. 
Let me go double check that real quick. Yeah. So Darnell nurse. Yeah. Like he's making 5.6 okay. at the moment. So he signed a two year contract for 11.2 million. Yeah. That was his bridge deal. And now he's getting this and yeah, he's only a year younger than Morgan Riley. So like, look like right now, Morgan Riley is, let me just double check. He's 27 years 27. old. 27. Yeah. I think he's he turns 28 in March yeah. of this coming season. So, you know, it feels like Morgan Riley has been around forever because the dude made his debut when he was like 19 or whatever. Yeah, it was. he came out of camp and he made the team. Yeah, Remember it was that? crazy. So, crazy. Yeah, I mean, but no, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Like, I'm not paying Morgan Riley in that ballpark. I think Morgan Riley certainly deserves somewhere probably in the seven million dollar range. And I know a lot of Lee fans. I don't know. There's sometimes like there's this negative sentiment around around Morgan Riley and how like he's just not good. And he doesn't deserve like this is a really good defenseman in the NHL. And based on what we've seen a lot of these guys get in the offseason, the market now for these D-men is going up. And yeah, I think Morgan Riley is is certainly gonna get somewhere in the seven million dollar range on the open market. Yeah, it's and again, like people put him on the Canada in their Canada lineups, like not slam dunk every time, but you see his name dabbled around those team Canada lineups for the next Olympics. Um but yeah, it's just like, like the numbers, like it, it's simple math. And I don't think the Leafs could afford it. Like, even if they wanted to, and then even then, like, and he's going to get term. So he's like, he's 27 turning 28. What's Riley going to look like at 33? You know what I mean? And I think too, to your point, but like the criticism Riley gets something I've always said is I find that people are very quick to point to puck moving defensemen and complain because it's also like, oh defensive efficiencies it's like well the guy who can skate like the wind who can also stick handle and rush the puck and contribute offensively if he was also a plus defensively he'd be a 15 million dollar player like you, you can't have it at all and like i remember there was a time it was like like the leafs had mccabe the habs had surrey like vancouver had jovanovsky it was like every every Canadian team had like that guy who like puts up points, like is a good player, but the fans just like shit on them because like they, they do have that again, because of their talent. Sometimes they think they can do too much and they make a horrible mistake. Like Carlson, man, like watching all the sends games here, Carlson used to make crazy mistakes all the time, like horrible giveaway, but that's what you get with him. And he was still an incredible player and won Norris trophies and, had incredible yeah, uh, seasons. You live with scoring, it because like, his ceiling is like literally best offensive defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. So and I'm not saying Riley's in that same league, but he has the ability to make plays that maybe only like 10 to 12 defensemen in the league can make. Yeah. And, and the whole thing, and I'm sure this ties into Dom's model, like how he, it's the big scoring players that he's saying deserve all the money. Again, it's because when they're on the ice, the puck's in the other end. Like if you, simple if, as that. Yeah, like if the Leafs could play Matthew aligned with Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Riley all game, they would do it and they would go pretty well undefeated because the puck is always in the other team's end. And it, people say, oh, they're not good defensively. It doesn't matter because the puck's always, yeah, always they in the other They don't have to end. be good. Their, their defense is literally their offense. Exactly. And, and that's where these guys tie in. Like people say, oh, the best defense, the, who's the best defensive player in the league? Connor McDavid. Because when he's on the ice, the puck's in the other team's blue line, so their team can't score. And like that ties, and that's a big thing in advanced stats. It's like where the puck is. And I think people, kind of like the new school, some of the new school fans, 
or some of the old school fans, I should say, kind of failed to get that. Uh, no, well, no, I, uh, I totally agree with you because I think even like going back to this defenseman conversation, it's like we all want our number one defenseman to be like Chris Pronger in his prime yeah. or, or even like Victor Hedman for that Ray matter, Bork, who's not even yeah. like nearly as physical as Chris Pronger used to be. But it's like, look at guys like I, no one talks about Duncan Keith. And I know I've talked about Duncan Keith being washed up on the last podcast, but going back to his prime, oh, he was incredible. winning cups with the Blackhawks. Like he's not a big guy. He's like six feet, like barely what? 190 pounds. Like he's a small dude skates like the wind make plays. He makes plays, runs the power play. Like that's the new age defenseman, right? Even like Kale McCarr, it's not like he's this overly physical guy. Right. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that just have that in their minds, it's like, if my defenseman can't, my number one defenseman can't throw a hit then he sucks and I'm not paying him anything. Yeah. That's kind of the way that people think. So. There's also the thing too. And I talk about it as well with center backs and soccer, say the Leafs get scored on. And they'll see Riley in front of the net. And it's like, oh, it's Riley. It's, it's always him. It's like, well, he plays defense. <laughs> so when the other team scores, it's going to be a defenseman like in front of the net. Like it, it's how it's the sport. Sorry, guys. But yeah, people fail to put things into context, especially when like guys are on. Like sometimes a guy is on the ice and his team gets scored on. And it's not even remotely his fault yeah. that that his team got scored on. But yeah, we'll just uh, we'll quickly run through the rest of the Leafs defensemen worth talking about. Muzzin, uh, three years left on his deal. He has him at a $5 million surplus, according to Lecision's model. Muzzin could be in around the $7 million range for, for what he contributes again. And he, he loved Toronto's D. Like, according to him, like Toronto's getting an incredible amount of value from their D. And, uh, and Brody, he had Brody at a $2.1 million surplus over three years. So a little bit of a raise, like around $5.5 from what he currently gets. But I think that kind of, again, goes into Dom's model. Like Brody doesn't produce offensively. So he's not going to be that bananas guy that he sees as crazy, insane value because he doesn't really contribute offensively. It's just his role. Um, The negatives, like two negatives that jumped out to me. And one's not that shocking. The other one, I was like semi-shocked. First one is uh, Kerfoot. He has Kerfoot in the hole, like 2.6 million over his two years. So according to his model, Kerfoot's about a $2 million player and he's making like three and a half. So fair. I mean, again, and and again, to your point, Bruno, what you were saying before about pay the stars, pay the guys at the top. It's those guys that kill you. Like you look around the league to the teams who have a hard time being successful. They have like four or five Kerfoots. And it's like, yeah, because if they're all paid by Dom's model, if they're all paid um in that range over what they deserve yeah now you got a problem now you're in a five million five six million dollar deficit so yeah and that's the thing right like everyone likes to make fun of the Leafs and you know saying that they pay their top four guys all this money but honestly that's probably the best way to do it because the other way to do it is like the New York Islanders model so you're either going like sort of stars and scrubs like the Leafs do and even like I mean Colorado is kind of in a different ballpark they're ranked number one but mostly because mckinnon is still on a ridiculous contract yeah, yeah and even miko ranton in the deal that he signed for nine and a half million he's underpaid according to dom's model but yeah. it's like you either pay your elite guys the big money the money that they deserve and that they would get on the open market or you do like what the new york islanders have done and you pay like everyone on your roster five million 
but that can get you into trouble as well. And then, you know, I've talked about the Islanders countless times. It's like, what's the ceiling of a team like that when your entire roster is making $5 million. And I know, you know, they have a star like Matt Barzell, for example, who is deserves more than that. And I, I, I have to look at his contract right now, but, but that's the thing, right? It's like, yes, I, am I outraged by the Kerfoot contract? No, not at all. But I'd rather, I'd rather have this Leafs model where you're paying the top guys what they deserve. And then you fill out the rest with cheap value guys. I, yeah. I really think that's probably the best way to do it. Like to, to anyone who, who wants to argue against that, what I, I would ask them this and it's a total discussion again, comment down below. Um, what's easier to get. Is it easier to get a player at a million or two who maybe deserves like that 2.5 to three and a half million or to get like a $5 million guy who deserves like seven or eight the lower guys way easier to find. Like you can get value. There, there's a lot of talent like around the world when it comes to hockey players, like you can get value there. The other thing is um, entry level deals. It's like, again, you, you can pay guys if you're developing and you're spitting guys out of your system and they're on, you get two or two or three years of entry level out of them. Again, incredible. And, and that's where it's like that. And that's where you can afford to pay the guys at the top because you could have a 20 goal score at, 850 grand. And I actually think that doesn't get talked about enough with the Leafs that over the last few years, in terms of like players coming through the Marley draft and then the Marley system, like who we could get like on a league min deal. And that would really help us cap wise. Hasn't really happened. Like we'll see what, how it's kind of coming through now a little bit. We're seeing, well, cause um, Robertson will probably be in the lineup and Sandine will probably be in the lineup. But I think that is that that's kind of been like what's missing with the lease from going to like that next level. Like, yeah, I'd say now they're like, you know, second group contender to like, if you flutter in two or three guys on entry level deals beyond the value they have. And now it's okay. Now it's next level. Right. And that that's hard to do. Like that, that, that really is hard to do. I just think that's the difference between like the teams in that second group and that teams like in that one, a group of contenders yeah that's fair and that's why i think a lot of people were upset that the leafs didn't go further going back to like the seasons that they played boston in the first round where matthews and marner Mm. were still on their entry-level contracts right and they could afford guys like james van reemsdijk and i'm not saying that james van reemsdijk is a star but to already have like star players in place who are at the end of their entry-level contracts and being able to supplement them with guys like JVR, for example, up front and some of the other forwards the Leafs had, even like Nazem Kadri, for example. Yeah. Those, it's almost like the, the conversation about having um, like that star quarterback in the NFL on a rookie contract. Yeah. And being able to p- pay all these other skill position players and being able to pay your defense and things like that. But yeah, like right now, it's the Leafs haven't had, you're right, Lapore, like there hasn't been that next guy step up after that wave of all you know, the young stars that came up like Matthews and Marner and Nylander, like there hasn't been that next wave of guys that are taking that next step on their entry level contracts. But like you said, maybe we're going to see that this season with guys like Nick Robertson and Rasmus Sandin. Yeah. Hopefully anyway. Uh, last but not least in the red for the Toronto Maple Leafs, your captain, John Tavares. <laughs> so that there's the joke for everyone. There's the joke. Everyone can throw at the Leafs. Their captain was in the red. 
Uh, JT's got four years left on his deal. Uh, Lecision had him at a $6.4 million overpay over the four years. So he has Tavares, like quick math, in around like a $9 million player. And he's making 11. So I think that makes sense. That's fair. Yeah, at, at 9 million, it's like, yeah, that JT be pretty, like, that's fair at 9 million. We'd be pretty happy with that right now. So I'm, I'm okay with uh, Lecision shitting on the Tavares contract a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I I have no issue with that because, you know, we've talked about this before on the show. When you're paying a guy in free agency, you have to overpay. Yeah. And and at the time, we all knew as good as John Tavares was when the Leafs signed him that it was an overpay at the time. And again, it's not like it's a, a huge overpay, but it would look a little bit nicer if he signed a seven-year, $9 million AAV as opposed to a seven times 11, right? It would just look a little bit better, especially in terms of what's happening with the salary cap right now. It's a flat cap, especially for the next couple of years, I believe it is. So, yeah, yeah I think I mean, too, what helps the value of that deal, and I'm going to sound like a Leafs homer here, is that it gives you that second center. So it's like if you're a team that was in desperate need of a number one center and you had this deal, it could end up being, I say really bad, but like, eh, it doesn't look that good. But the fact that like it, it creates a two-headed monster helps the value of that and that can't go into the model but i'm i think you know where i'm going with that idea yeah no no 100 and, and that's the thing right it's like if you want to get an elite center to join austin matthews as your one-two punch and have that as the foundation of your team you know you got to pay for that sort of stuff right yeah. so it's just it really is as simple as that yeah time to move on we'll kill the other canadian teams yeah man I think we can probably move on. Like there's really nothing else to go through. Like I said, this, you know, these rankings and Dom's model, it does include, include goalies, right. Players on entry level contracts, unsigned RFAs. So it's basically just the players that are currently under contract on the roster right now. And yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I, I happen to agree with Dom. Like I, I'm not in a hundred percent agreement with him on some of the things in his model, but pretty close to hundred percent. And I have no issue at all with the Leafs being this high, especially looking at some of the other teams in the top five, you know, when you look at Colorado and Florida, and again, those are teams that have been blessed by getting guys like McKinnon and Huberto and Barkov on these like insane value contracts before yeah. all these other teams in the NHL started dishing out all this ridiculous money to these young stars coming off their ELCs. So yeah, I have, I think the Leafs are honestly right where they should be in terms of these rankings. Yeah, I'm okay with it. And again, you mentioned the goalies. I mean, we you said before Florida's ranked second. They got that Bobrovsky deal. And then the Leafs have pretty good value from their goalies right now. So maybe the Leafs would get bumped to second. I don't know. But show oh, yeah, us results, Florida, Leafs. <laughs> yeah, because if Florida adds in that Bobrovsky, like if you actually include the Bobrovsky contract in this model, Florida's like outside the top 10 in terms yeah. of like contract value and efficiency. Yeah, no doubt. No, I, like, I'd love to see that actually like, like the red, like the overpaid total and like the red going for like every year on like his, his article. But anyways, so yeah, we'll move on then. The next best Canadian team Dom had was Daryl Sutter's Calgary Flames at the 12th best team in the league contract wise. We'll just fire through quickly. He has Lindholm at like an amazing deal. He has him at $7.9 million uh, surplus over the three years. 
saying he deserves in around that seven to seven and a half million dollar mark. Uh, the next best one he had was our boy, Paisan Manjapane. He had him at uh, a $4.2 million surplus. He's only got one year left on his deal, I believe. Um, and then again, this one actually shocked me a bit. Not necessarily because I don't think he's a really good player. It was more about the deal. Uh, Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk. He had him at uh, a $2.5 million surplus. Like he had him value wise in around 9 million. And like that, that's one of those ones. Like that seems like a lot for a player like that, but that's I don't know. Too much. You think that's too much? Like, like, I don't know. Like if, if I guess it depends how you look at it too. Like if he was a free agent, would he get 9 million? You know what? He probably would, but which doesn't make it a good deal. But you know, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think it makes it a good deal, but he had a little bit of an off year last year and you go through the coaching change with Daryl Sutter and Daryl Sutter cut his ice time. It was, and it was pretty, it was a pretty big cut in ice time as well. Like all those stars saw their ice time drop on, on Calgary. But yeah, like when you look at what Matthew Kachuk did, especially a couple of years ago, 34 goals, 77 points. Then he had 61 points in 69 games in 2020. Like that's a lot though, Bruno, like 60, he had 61 points in 69 games. He's, he's a good player. That and gets he brings, you paid. That gets he you brings paid, all those man. other things to the table, right? right? Like he's your rare guy that can put up points and score goals, but can also, you know, get his nose dirty and throw hits and be physical. So I get why he'd be valued this high. And again, I don't think Dom's model is looking at like, this guy throws three hits per 60 minutes or whatever. Like, I don't think it's, it's looking at anything like that, but it just shows in, it shows in the results on the ice, right? I'm sure that's what Dom's looking at. Yeah. I and mean, when you look at everything he brings to the table. So yeah, I can see why he's valued that high, but personally I would not pay a guy like yeah. Matthew Kachuk. That's a lot. That's that a lot money. for a player like that. The next one, he had him in the green. I thought this one could go either way. It was Johnny Goudreau. He had him at a $2.3 million surplus and he had him, if I remember correctly, the, the quick math I did was like between eight and a half and nine million as like fair value for Johnny Goudreau. That's going to be polarizing. for Yeah. And I mean, especially with like his, how his production has gone down. Like his scoring has gone down. It was like two years ago. He would, did he hit 80 points before he was a 99 point player? There you go. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Now I remember. Let me me double check that. Yeah. He had 99 points in 82 games in 2018, 2019. There you go. But then the last two years, like you said, so last year he bounced back 49 points in 56 games. The year before that, though, only 58 points in 70 games. So to go from, and even before his 99-point season, he was an 84-point guy. So to go from, like, you know, 85 to 100 points, essentially, down to what he is now, it's been tough for Flames fans to see him kind of take a step back. But, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, he can put points on the board, and when he's playing at his best – and I know Flames fans might call me crazy for saying this, but he truly is like one of the best offensive players in the game when he is at his best. He really is just based on like pure talent and skill. He's gone, eh? Yeah. Like just looking at their, uh, the Flames on cap friendly right now. Yeah. Like, man, he's making 6.75 this year. And he just doesn't seem like a Daryl Sutter player. Something yeah. we've, we've also talked about. And he's going to want, you know, I don't think I don't think Johnny Gaudreau is going to get like elite money on the you know on the open market, but this guy is clearly going to want to raise. He's probably going to want something in the eight million ish range. Maybe he'll get a little bit less than that. But yeah, like is Calgary going to dish out that money when they got to pay Matthew Kachuk? 
Yeah. And not to sound all like Negativeville and Flames fans go nuts, like an American living in Calgary. It's like not shocking if you'd end up on an American team. Yeah, that somewhere. dude wants to wants to get out of there and, and go somewhere else and maybe just you know, maybe he just wants a fresh start. Right? right. Cause he's gone through some shit there in Calgary where I think fans to a certain degree have turned on him a little bit because they just expect more out of him. So mm-hmm. yeah, I if if I was to bet right now, I'd say that Johnny Gaudreau is not going to be a Calgary f- flame a year from now. Yeah, no, I think that's a slam dunk, Bruno. Yeah. But uh, the two Reds, um, one not shocking at all, uh, Milan Lucic, $8.5 million overpay over two years. According to Lecision's model, not shocking. He pretty well has Lucic as like an entry-level deal player at this point in his career. And the last one, and this one was really bad. And like, I probably would have said like, yeah, this is not a good deal. But this bad, I wasn't sure. He's Blake Coleman. He is Coleman at like an $8.3 million overpay over six years. Like the guy's making, I think, is it 5 million Coleman's making? Yeah. Yeah. And he has him like about three, three and a half million dollar player. Like that was, that was a gross one. He also hates Rasmus Anderson. He has him as like a $7 million overpay over, I think he's got like four, yeah, five years left on his deal. So and Rasmus Anderson's a guy like watching him. I, I really like him mm-hmm. and I know like his numbers, I think his numbers haven't totally been there, but I actually really like him. It just, just based on the eye test. Right. But yeah, he, he can skate and all that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. But yeah, going back to like uh, Blake Coleman for a second, you know, this is what happens. A guy wins a couple Stanley Cups, shows that he's a perfect third line checking checking line guy who can kill penalties and do all kinds of things and be versatile and even play with the top players if he needs to. Guys like that always get are always overpaid. It was the same yeah. thing with Barkley Gaudreau with the New York Rangers. Like what the hell were the Rangers thinking giving him a 6-year deal for 3.6 million? Like those are guys that you just don't overpay. That's how teams get into trouble, right? So I I totally agree with Dom decision in this case that, that that Blake Coleman contract is, is bad and it's probably going to continue to get worse. And maybe it's not going to be bad for the first year or two, but you go, you know, three, four years down the line, you're probably going to regret that decision. I think if you're Calgary. Yeah, no, I mean, again, it's like, it's that whole thing when you see the numbers broken down, and it's kind of funny, like how it just works out where you see these numbers. Like we mentioned with Tavares before, how it's like, okay, Dom has him at like say nine million. It's like, yeah, like that, that that's fair. Like even just without doing any math or looking at any underlying numbers. And like to your point about the guys in the flames, like, yeah, they kind of make sense at those numbers and they'd be nice additions at those numbers or fair additions at those numbers, I should say. What's interesting and like, I'd like, I'm excited to see the comments of people is the star players. Like how I said before, how like he is Matthews at like 17.5 million. Like he is Colorado. He said first place, absolute juggernaut. He is McKinnon's value around 16 million. Randon at 12 million. Landeskog at 9 million. He is Kale McCarr's value at like 16, 15, 16 million a year. Wow. Like that, that good. Even like, even Gerard actually, 9.5 million a year and Devin Tays around 10 million a year. Holy. That's how good he thinks Colorado is. Wow. And it might be one of those things. And again, like ask him how, like how he does the model of like, is it because all these guys are good and because they play together, everything gets kicked up by a certain percent because like everything's just going well all the time. You know what I mean? So I'm sure that ties in the model, even if he intends it not to, 
it's hard to like completely avoid what's going on around the players. But yeah, like the star players in Dom's model get paid. And yeah, again, like the value thing is, is the discussion topic for sure. But uh, moving on, we have the Edmonton Oilers at uh, 13th. And the Oilers are an exciting one because you have some really good ones and you have some really bad ones. <laughs> and I think people are already like those names are flying in people's heads of like who's really good and who's really bad. At the top, guess who? Our boy, future Toronto Maple Leaf. <laughs> there you said. Comment down below. I was uh, waiting for it. How many years left on his? Five years left on his deal, everyone. That's the uh, the pay cut deal the superstar is finally going to take uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Connor McDavid at a $38.6 million surplus spread over five years. So in according to Dom's model, ready for how good Connor McDavid is? Let's hear it. He'd work out to about fair value at 20 million a year. Just insane. And and again, it's like you see that number and you like burst out laughing, like, no, that's ridiculous. But then it's like, wait a minute, how many points did he get last year? And then if you cut that in half, how many points would that player get? And then it's the benefit of getting it from one guy. And then again, what we said before about how when McDavid's on the ice. The puck is always in the offensive end. So he is probably the best quote unquote defensive player in the NHL. So again, like when you see, when you see it like that, it makes sense. Right. But Connor McDavid, man, that, that friggin' good. As far yeah, as that the, dude, that dude's an alien. We've talked at nauseum how good Connor McDavid is, but yeah, when you actually look at it on paper and you look at a model like Dom's and you see the value in Connor McDavid and how making 12 and a half million dollars a year, He's being underpaid by nearly $8 million That's a season. crazy. Like, again, according to one model, this is not the be-all and end-all, but it really puts things in perspective and shows you how good a player actually is and how much value they're actually providing at their current salary. Yeah, no, it's just... And, and again, like, people talk about the eye test. Well, McDavid passes the eye test in flying colors. Passes in the every test yeah, in flying it's colors. crazy. Uh, moving down uh, the good deals, uh, not shocking, dry sidle. Um, I assume this would be like one of the best ones in the league. And I'll, I'll raise my hand as like one of the people who when like dry sidle got that deal. I was like, that's horrible. Like that's a way overpay. Oh yeah. You're and not alone, Lapore. There's a lot of people. Oh, I mean, that like deal that got deal. people, people, a lot of people thought that was, that was a deal that was going to kind of ruin the NHL. Because like if Dreisaitl got eight, like what are other guys going to get? And then now it's like every team in the NHL would take Dreisaitl at eight million. Like that's a joke. Yeah, like Peter Shirelli made a lot of shitty decisions as GM of the Edmonton Oilers, but yeah. signing Leon Dreisaitl to that contract, got to give him credit there. That was an unbelievable decision by Good the point. Oilers at the time. Good point. I've never kind of went in the mental direction to give Shirelli credit for that one. But uh, yeah, he is him at uh, about $23 million surplus over the four years and a uh, fair value around uh, 14 million a year, which again, like with the best players in the league, like no one's making that kind of money now, but if they're an open market now, what they would get contribution, it makes sense. This one, the next one, lots of, uh, lots of discussion to be had with this one. Zach Hyman, somewhat shocking, I thought. And I think, we'll both agree here that like nobody has a problem or very, I'm sure very few people have a problem with Hyman's AAV. It's the term 
and what Zach Hyman is going to look like three, four, five years from now. Uh, but he has him at uh, just under a $13 million surplus. <laughs> it's fine. I just like looked at it and was shocked over the seven years of his deal. I just got reminded that he was given a seven-year deal. And he is high at about fair value around $7 million a year. So, Which I think is, is an overpayment. That This is yeah, the one over- thing, one of the main things I disagree with in the model. And Dom wrote in the article, like he specified, he's like, listen, like when you compare Zach Hyman, because if you follow him on Twitter, when guys sign contracts, you know, not just him, but some of the other analytics guys, they'll come up with comparables Mm -hmm. and they'll show like five or six different guys from the past, not necessarily like one of Hyman's contemporaries, but even going back like 10 years from now, showing like similar players and how they aged. And he says that when you look at the comps that, this Hyman contract probably isn't going to age well, but based on the model, it looks like it's a good contract. And I get it. Like, you know, I, we've talked about this on previous shows, like Zach Hyman, the last three years has been really good. He's third on the leaf. He was third on the Leafs in goals per game. Mm-hmm. Like this is a guy that has proven that he can play with the top guys and be successful with the top guys on your roster. But it's like you said, Lapore, you go three, four, five years down the road looking at a player that doesn't skate well, that doesn't, that doesn't have high-end offensive talent, right? So, yeah, to, pay, to be paying him $5.5 million, it's fine for the first couple of years. And, yes, I think he's going to have a good season playing with McDavid and Drysaddle. But down the line, man, I, I don't see that as a good contract. Yeah, all. like I was shocked and I wasn't. Like I was shocked to see it in the green. But, again, like based on the AV, I'm like, okay, that's kind of fair. But then I wasn't shocked because like, I know like all the underlying numbers guys love Hyman. Like he, like every line he's played on does well and he makes players better and like, he's good defensively quote unquote. So like that, that on that end, I wasn't shocked, but I'm with you. Like, no, like everyone's shaking their head on that deal, but uh, let's move on to the red ones for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. None of these are shocking. None no. of these are shocking uh, right off the bat. Uh, Zach Cassian. million surplus over the next three years. Uh, That works out to what? Like my quick math here, like a $2.8 million surplus divided over the the length of that contract. According to Dom's model, Zach Cashin doesn't deserve league minimum. Yeah. If I'm doing my math or around there. So like, not really surprising, but I know he had a few players like that who like, and again, people would say like, oh, this player, that player's worth that. But it's about wins above replacement. So I guess I'm guess I'm somewhat guessing here, but I assume what the model means is like, okay, well, if I have an average NHL lineup out there and that average NHL lineup plays the entire 60 minutes, and then I remove one of those average players and insert Zach Cassian, his war is in the negative. So like my chances of winning go down. So it's like, that's why like that, how this like negative, like the negative numbers come into play, like in this model. So like that's like his point here where it's like this guy on the ice, like lowers your chances to win, like based on like what should be out there as like average NHL talent. Right. Yeah. Um, there's nothing to disagree with there with Zach Cassian. Like even just based on the eye test, like oh that God, dude, dude just isn't a good player. Yeah. I, there was one game against the Leafs, like two or three point blank, blank scoring chances and like missed all three. I think even like two of them were passes from McDavid. And, and that's the thing, like, like, he's gotten so many opportunities to play with him. Even at the beginning of this season, he was on the first line with Connor McDavid. Crazy. Like, if you're having trouble producing with 
Connor fucking McDavid. Yeah. Then I'm sorry, but you're, yeah, you're just not a very good player. Yeah. Other ones, again, we'll fly through them. Cody CC, not shocking. He has him at a, about a five and a half million dollar surplus over the four years of his deal. Um, he has him at about, a, I think, like a one point five to two million dollar player at fair value for CC. Which, I mean, as, as much as we shit on CC, it's like if he's like a five six defenseman making one point five or two million, like yeah, that's like, fine. That's fine, exactly. And again, like how the model you see it, and like yeah, that makes sense. Like the problem with the Leafs that we were paying him what four and a half, so it's like yeah, you can't like it's way 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 too much money. Duncan Keith, he has him uh, at a $13.2 million surplus. He is Keith low, man. Like he thinks Keith is like at this point in his career, like a bad NHL player. Yeah, like basically like below replacement level player. Yeah, like really, really bad. And like we're all cheering for Duncan Keith. Like I friggin' love Duncan Keith. Like watching him with those Chicago teams when they were winning, like he was incredible. But man, that's it's rough to see. Uh, And then the next one. Bruno's favorite player, Darnell Nurse, a $41 million surplus. He has Nurse, again, quick math, at about a $4 million player in terms of value. So making make what, nine and a quarter million a yeah, season. Yeah, like now. think think of that, man. Like for that term, like, and again, like argue the model, whatever, but like if every player is treated the same and we're seeing a lot of these deals and what he's saying, like kind of makes sense. That guy's making more than double long-term at that amount than what he deserves. Horrible, man. And again, like, like before Oilers fans freak out on us, like we completely understand how good Darnell Nurse is. Like, I think he's a really good player. He brings a lot to the table. Last year, he had a breakout season, scored a ton of goals, provides physicality. He can He's solid defensively, but... Why are you paying him nine and a quarter million? Why give him that extension? Like, you know, it's like, we get it. He's a really good player, but to pay a guy, you know, that much money, who's not an elite defenseman in the league. And maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you think Darnell Nurse is an elite defenseman. Maybe you think he's in the same category as Adam Fox and Victor Hedman and Kale McCarr and guys like that. But I just don't think he is. So yeah, that that contract, I I don't think he's going to look very well he's, down the road i don't know what other way to put it but like he does a lot of things but he's not as tight as those guys are i think people know what i mean like when you watch him like you mentioned like the prongers before and those guys like when you watch him like lidstrom was like the model for this where it's like no mistakes solid every time and like nurse is more volatile in my opinion anyway and which doesn't mean he's not a great player it's just that like that type of money is like a plus defenseman money. And I, I don't have him in that category. And apparently neither does Dom LeCision. Uh, that's pretty well a wrap with the uh, Edmonton Oilers, but he actually, and this is kind of a talking point too, really quickly. Um, he had uh, uh, Tyson Berry, uh, like a pretty decent deal. So, I mean, he scores. And again, like we talked about how like uh, Dom loves the, uh, the guys who get the puck at the other end. So, I mean, we can debate all day about that one, but again, good for Tyson Berry. He knows yeah, how to pick. I, I have no problem with Tyson Berry's contract. Yeah. Like that's that's the one. And I know I ripped into the Oilers on last on last on the last episode. But yeah, the Tyson Berry contract specifically, like I have no problem with four and a half million for Tyson Berry. Mm-hmm. He's a really good offensive defenseman. Obviously, like you said, has his defensive deficiencies, but it's not you're not overpaying the guy, right? You're giving him 
what he deserves essentially. And like Dom is saying, he deserves even more than four and a half million a season. So yeah, I think so. that's a solid contract for Edmonton. There you go. And again, like relatively speaking, like you see what defensemen get in the league, this guy produces, like if he's your number four or something, it's like, yeah, it's not bad. Like a second pairing and he's not, he does the power play, all that stuff. So, but uh, let's move on to the next uh, Canadian team on the list coming in at 19th place. Les Habitants de Montréal. And uh, the Habs are a fun one. And uh, this is the one, too. Like, it's too bad he doesn't have a model for goalies. Because, like, I'd love to see what he thinks about Carey Price. Because, like, that that, would have made our podcast. Like, that would have been 8,000 comments. We could talk for an hour on the value of Carey Price and wins above replacement losses. When do people say, oh, it's bullshit because uh the only wins that matter in the playoffs other people would say well you have to make the playoffs for those wins to matter and he hasn't been the greatest during the regular season so i'm disappointed this time anyway that uh, goalies weren't included but uh, this one jumped out to me a bit gallagher and somewhat not shocked at the same time because i know a lot of the metrics guys love gallagher like gallagher's five on five numbers are amazing like i remember there, i think i said was it was it over the last i don't know how long he had the same amount of five on five goals as like crosby like the Gallagher, yeah, even if you go back over the last like five or six years, Gallagher is like he's hovering around the top 10 in terms of like five on five goals. So yeah. I think that's why this model, model in particular ranks him out so good. Yeah. And I think a lot of those guys, too, like people looking at us saying numbers before, like this guy deserves 16 million, 17 million according to Dom's model. Well, to your point, Bruno, like it's because these guys produce five on five, it's like five on five points are more valuable than power play points not necessarily on the scoreboard but the gap of like what it takes from like a player who can't produce five on five to who can compared to say the power play like a lot of guys can produce on the power play not a lot of guys can produce five on five exactly yeah, that, he, that at the end of the day that really just shows how good you are as a player because that's when right. the playing field is even no team is at an advantage or a disadvantage how can you produce when all things are even and it's five on five hockey, right? And Brendan Gallagher, like you said, the analytics community loves this guy because he scores a lot of five on five goals. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Uh, next one, another one in the green for Montreal, not surprising at all, was uh, from your Ottawa 67s, Tyler Toffoli at a $6.5 million surplus over uh, four years. Not shocking at all. Toffoli's yeah, a that's great a good player. Contract. Everyone, it, it's not too often when a player signs a deal. And everyone immediately is like, wow, that's a really good deal. Like everyone knew that that one was the gem for Montreal. So yeah, he values uh, Toffoli about a $6 million player. So again, not, not shocking. Um, we'll quickly like fly through the, uh, the reds for, uh, for Montreal. There are some talking ones here, man. So Byron, he has him as a $3 million surplus over two years. Him about a $2 million player, newly signed uh, Mike Hoffman at uh a four million dollar surplus over three years so he has him at about like a 3.2 million dollar player armia a 4.8 million dollar surplus but like divided over four years so it's, it's not the end of the world he has him about like two million dollar player two and a half million dollar player jonathan druin not shocking 6.8 million dollar surplus uh with two years left on his deal makes him about a two million dollar player in a uh, dom's eyes these are two good ones. And like Montreal Canadiens fans, like let us have it. Let's t tell us what you think about these ones. Josh Anderson. Okay. He has him at a $19 million surplus over the next six years of his deal. 
he is Anderson about a two and a half million dollar player. That sucks. I mean, if, if Dom's right, like that sucks. And again, the model, make of it what you wish, but when you're a winger and you're making that much money, like he doesn't get a lot of total points. So I'm yeah. sure that comes into play and yeah. And, and like I, even going through some of these uh, negative contracts he talked about on the Habs, like I have no problem with the Mike Hoffman contract. I think he's a good player. He scores a ton of goals. Exactly. He's really good on the power play. And maybe it's because his five on five numbers aren't as good. Like Hoffman, you could essentially call him a power play specialist. Like that guy can rip it on the man advantage. So I, I really have no problem with Hoffman's contract, even if it's a slight overpayment. Armia, I, I'm kind of in the same ballpark. Like, okay, he's not nearly the goal scorer that Mike Hoffman is, but I don't have too much of an issue paying Armia $3.4 million. Yeah, and, and his yes, overpay it is an wasn't. overpayment, but it's not bad. Yeah, he's, he, again, it was, it was 4.8 divided by four. He has, he has him as like a million overpay. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. But yeah, the Josh Anderson one, man, that's. And that's you know a what? People would argue with that one, though. Like, people, people like him. I mean, he scored big goals in the playoffs. So. But then he also went like multiple games without doing anything like he, he finished have, he, he had a span the regular season where he went like i'm just throwing out a number it was like 20 something games with like two assists or, or something yeah like when you just look at his, his like raw production like man he scored five goals in 22 playoff games five goals and one assist so he had six points in 22 playoff games again this model sorry, these rankings sorry, have sorry. nothing to do with power sorry bruno he had one assist in the playoffs yes josh anderson one assist in 22 playoff yeah, games. that's that, that that's like hard to do and like you're a winger and he <laughs> had seven assists in 52 regular season games even so, his goals like how so many goals do you have in the regular season he had 17 goals in 52 games yeah but he had like he had like six in his first like eight games or he had like 12 like they're all at the beginning like he yeah, went on a he flyer was at the so beginning. inconsistent so in total yeah. last year out of josh anderson you got 22 goals in 74 combined games regular season playoffs and that's fine but like yeah assists, when you're only like, getting eight assists yeah. in 74 games and you you factor in how inconsistent he was last year and you look at that contract and I get it. He throws his weight around. He's an intimidating presence on the ice, but man, oh man, that's, that's a lot, a lot of money to pay to a player. Like for example, like he's getting Zach Hyman money and Zach yeah. Hyman, he produces better than, than Josh Anderson. Say what you want about both players. Maybe you're a, an Anderson over Hyman guy, but just looking at the raw production, Hyman is a better point producer and goal scorer than Josh Anderson. He just is. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, that one, that one to me, like, like Anderson's a weird player. Like it's not too often. There's a guy who like, I understand someone really liking him and I understand someone really hating him, but he, he kind of falls in that category for sure. This one and Montreal Canadians fans are not going to be happy about this one. David Savard. Dom has him at just under a $10 million overpay over the four years, he has Savard essentially like a league men guy, like just above, just above league men guy. And like they just signed him. And like to your point before about like what happens when you win Stanley Cups, your name gets out there and people jump on you. But Dom does I not get like why, why people like David Savard, right? Like he's French Canadian. He's a right shot defenseman. They need someone to replace Shea Weber. So I, I get why you know, Habs fans are on board with this guy. And listen, like David Savard, I've watched this guy play and you go back, you know, maybe forget last year where I think the model is kind of 
you know, bringing down his value a little bit based on what he did last season, even though he won the Stanley cup, obviously with Tampa, but he's a guy that's been on the decline, but he's a solid player. Like he blocks shots, mm-hmm. he hits guys. Like he's a good solid defenseman, but yeah, I mean, based on, based on this model, like he's, it's an overpayment and it's just yeah. not, it's not a good contract and say what you want about, you know, David Savard, but just looking at the numbers over the next four years, it looks like the Habs probably could have done a little bit better here. Yeah. To your point about like right-handed right shooting defenseman, it'd be fun to look at all of how Dom scored all the right handed defensemen. Like, are they all overpaid? Or are they all fair pay? Like, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see because everyone goes nuts for right-handed. Yeah, every defenseman. right-handed defenseman this year is being valued like Connor McDavid. Like, it's <laughs> actually, like, insane. I tell my nephew, so, like, he always wants to play center because he, you know, he likes to score and all that. But he shoots right. He loves rushing the puck. And he has a Swedish last name because of the family. I'm like, but you're going to be a first-round draft pick at $5 on million. Line, I'm like, j- just based on those right, right-handed defense, Swedish last name, first-round draft pick, done. <laughs> Never getting He's cut. He's a lock ever. to be a first round pick. Yeah, guaranteed. And he does the Gretzky jersey talk. No influence oh, on no influence night. on my end. No influence. An absolute on my end. lock to go in the first round. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait, Lapore. When, when is he eligible? When is he draft eligible? Uh decade. He just turned okay. nine. So yeah. Okay, we'll watch out for that. <laughs> yeah, watch out for him. Uh next on the list, uh the Vancouver Canucks, who people love to talk about their contracts. Not a lot of good here. But uh, he has a really good one. Connor Garland, $12.3 million surplus in value over five years. He is Connor Garland, like a $7 million player. My quick math. Okay. Like, and I, can't... I know a lot of people were, were happy with Connor Garland being included in that Coyotes deal. Mm-hmm. And listen, like you look at his numbers last year, 39 points in 49 games. Year before that, 39 points in 68 games. He's a guy that's getting better. He's only 25 years old. I, yeah, I don't think he's a $7 million player, but I think maybe the way that Dom did this model, he's saying that over the course of his con, how many more years is he signed for? He's got a uh, five-year deal. Okay, so he's on a five-year deal. So yeah, maybe over the course of the contract, he just views Garland as like, yeah, that's for 4.9 million over yeah over the next five years i'm just looking at cap friendly right now so yeah i think he thinks that he's just going to continue to get better based on how he's progressed so far early in his career but yeah that's kind of a stretch to say that Connor garland is a seven million dollar player i I think that's a little bit too high there lapore yeah i mean after that it's pretty well all negative for the vancouver canucks Tanner pearson who i know canucks fans love to hate on 5.3 million dollar overpay over three years, that makes him about a $1.5 million player. And here we go. So where it gets ugly for the Canucks on D. You got Tucker Pullman, Tyler Myers, and Oliver Ekman Larson. According to yeah. Dom's model, these are like entry level entry level players. Yeah, that's and a to have, nightmare. To have he has three. them all as as D contracts. As like he D, graded yeah. them all like A, B, C. He's got them as D plus, D minus, D minus. And like Pullman's got four years left. Myers has got three. And Larson has how many years left? Like 17? Yeah. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> like uh, He's got uh, what? One, two, three, four, six more years. 
at 7.3 million. There you go. Like brutal Vancouver. Oh my God. And that was a weird deal. Like, I mean, they got rid of a couple bad contracts to take on that bad contract. So debate all day about that one, Vancouver Canucks fans. And uh, let us know what you think about what uh, Dom decision thinks about the uh, blue line in uh, Vancouver. Beautiful city though. Vancouver, beautiful city. Yeah. And um, it's, and, Laporte, it's going to get interesting there because they got to pay Pedersen. They got to pay Quinn Hughes. That's the one. And like you're looking at comparables. I don't want to say Quinn Hughes is as good as Kale McCarr. Let's say he's a tier below, you know, Kale McCarr. But I'm sure he's looking at that McCarr contract and being like, I want something sort of in this ballpark. Like maybe, you know, not $9 million a year, but I want seven to $8 million a year. And Pedersen, who's a phenomenal centerman, like they got some money to dish out to these guys. Yeah. So having some of these terrible contracts on the books, especially on the back end, yeah, that's not a not a great situation. And I know a lot of Vancouver fans have been frustrated with how Jim Benning has run this team and what oh. they've been doing over the last few seasons, they, but they hate him there. Yeah, like you know, they got some star players up front and Quinn Hughes on the blue line, but you mix in some of these brutal contracts and I know they got rid of some you know, bringing in Oliver Ekman Larson in that Coyotes deal, but man, they still got some issues on yeah. this cap sheet. As far as the other big names on the Canucks, um, like Besser, JT Miller, like Bo Horvat, all those guys, he's pretty well got them as fair deals. So if case is running about those names, yeah, in, uh, that's I Dons. totally agree with yeah, that. and those those are again like not shocked that you see how much those guys make, and yeah, that makes sense. Uh moving on lower in the uh in the Dom decision contract ranking standings. The Jets, 25th place in the NHL for their deals. And there was one here. This may be this may have been the biggest shocker to me, like coming from the Jets. We'll get to in a second. So he has Ehlers, an $11 million surplus over the four years of his deal. Yeah, so he has Ehlers is like an $8.5 million player, which is like everyone loves Ehlers. Saw what yeah, he brought an awesome last player. season. What a beast. Shifley in the green, not shocking, $4.1 million surplus over three years. He is him at about a seven and a half million dollar player, which is interesting because like quick to people and maybe it's like the Canadian thing bias, but like Shifley or Ehlers, who do you want? I would say Shifley. But yeah, then, you see, you'd say Shifley. But then when you look at their, especially since Shifley's a centerman, but yeah, then when you look at like the underlying numbers and all the great things that Nikolai Ehlers can do. Yeah, man. Like it, to me, it's, it's still really close and I get it. Like the analytics community doesn't really like Mark Shifley. Okay, I didn't know that. I've never really like, investigated him. You know, you're saying he's a seven and a half million dollar player, but when you first think of Mark Shifley, like got them into the conference finals, you know, a few seasons ago, he's like a point a game player. You'd view him as like, you know, he should be worth eight, nine million plus. Mm-hmm. But, you know, according to this model, he's just not. He's like a seven and a half million dollar player. But who would you rather have, Shifley or or Ehlers? I'm, I'm with you. Like my brain immediately went to Shifley. Now that's biased because like his name is popularity, but I don't know, man. I think and we're splitting. Okay, we're saying a seven point five million dollar player versus like essentially like an eight eight and a half million dollar player according to Dom's model. But Ehlers is really good too. Like yeah, Ehlers know, is man. electric. Yeah, like great, just like, like awesome, I, awesome like, player. Based on the eye test, like watch a couple of Winnipeg's Jets games if you haven't had a chance to really watch Ehlers closely. Like oh my god, this dude just jumps off the page. He's a he's an awesome player. So yeah, I think he's. I think he's definitely underpaid, and uh, that's a really nice contract there for for the Jets. Yeah, so this is the one here that shocked me, that really shocked me. 
And this is the one, again, this is why these guys exist. These underlying numbers guys exist. Kyle Connor in the red. Yes. That one shocked me. He has a, here. a $4.5 million overpay over the five years. Again, he has him. At, it's like, it's not that crazy. He could spread over the five years, but just weird to see him in the red. And he has about a $6 million player. And I think he's getting like a shade over seven. So like nothing crazy, but just like, I would have thought Kyle Connor at least fair deal. Like with the last uh, couple of seasons he's had, he's had like goals are guaranteed with that guy. So no, I, I completely agree. That was one of the ones that jumped out at me immediately. Like just look at his numbers over the last four years, 31 goals, 34 goals, 38 goals, 26 goals in 56 games last year would have scored over 30 again. So this is a guy that essentially now for four years has been a 30 plus goal scorer who is a beast at five on five. I shouldn't call him a, a five on five beast. Cause maybe that's what's sort of knocking down his numbers a little bit, but yeah, maybe I know that he like, I'll, I'll go check his numbers r- real quick. Lapore, but man, like this is like one of the best goal scorers in the league over the last four years. And you know, this model has him as a, like you said, like a five point something million dollar player. Yeah. I think yeah, but like 6 million ish there. And again, like the thing I mentioned before about shooting talent, kind of like the other way of McKayev, how like McKayev's pumped up a bit because he lacks shooting talent. Yeah. Maybe Connor's the case where like he has really good shooting talent, but it's hard for them to get like a metric that combines the formula with shooting talent. But I mean, interesting. Like, I still love the player. And, and, <laughs> and, and I'm and looking up his stats now. I was right. He has 90 even strength goals over the last four years. Good for eighth in the NHL. There you go. Over that span. Dom. I don't know, man. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that's definitely a little. I don't agree with that one. I think Kyle Connor at, at 7.1 is, is, is a really good contract, quite frankly. Yeah. Moving forward, the rest of the Reds for Winnipeg. Lowry, uh, just under an $11 million. Uh, overpay over the five years. He has about a million dollar player. Nate Schmidt, uh, $7.9 million overpay over four years. He has about, uh, I believe that works out about a $4 million player. And uh, Josh Morrissey, uh, $37.2 million overpay divided by the seven years. He does not like Josh Morrissey, man. He does not like, like Josh, Josh yeah, Morrissey. You know what? That also jumped out to me not to the extent that the Kyle Connor one did like I think Josh Morrissey is a good player and you look at his point and I think I think the reason the model is knocking him down so much is because this is a guy who's the quote-unquote number one defenseman on Winnipeg but he's miscast in that role and I think you know once Dustin Bufflin just decided that he didn't want to play hockey anymore Morrissey was thrust into that role and he's not he really isn't a number one defenseman. Like he's a good player, but when you just look at his point totals, you know, you want your number one D man to be more of an, of an offensive threat, like 21 points last season, 31 points the year before that 31 points in 2019. So like, he's just not a very good offensive player. When you watch him play, like, I think he's a smooth player. Like he does a lot of good things, but I think it's just his offensive production that his lack of offensive production, I should say, that that ranks him so poorly in this model. Yeah, and again, like how it's tough to measure like guys you're playing with, situations you're put in, like they do their best to tie that in. But like you said, if he's miscast and put in situations he shouldn't be in like consistently, yeah, his underlying then, numbers are going to look terrible. he's going to get exposed, exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, moving forward then to uh, 
27th place, the last Canadian team. We've made it, Bruno. We've made it. The Ottawa Senators, my hometown, Ottawa Senators. Lepore's uh, some, Ottawa Senators. Yeah, the Sens are a different one because I mean, I'm sure a lot of these teams are who went through them. Like you mentioned how Pedersen has to get signed. Like the Sens have a lot of entry-level deal guys like Stutzla. They got to sign Kachuk, Josh Norris. So interesting to see like how the Sens play forward contract-wise or if Dom does this every year. I don't know if he does, um, how the Sens will look moving forward. Um Colin White, that is the big one for uh, for the Ottawa Senators. Just under an $11 million overpay divided by the four years. He has Colin White at about a $2 million player, and he's making just a shade under five. So again, th- those middle, middle road contracts, those are what really hurt you. And again, four more years of that. And I mentioned like you got to sign Stutzla. Like if someone told you, that Stutzla is going to be like a 30 something goal score, 40 goal score. And it's going to want like 10, 11 million, like two years now. Like I'd be like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I would totally, I, I think Stutzla is going to be a star player. in the Yeah. NHL. So it, it, it's things like that that make it tough. Um, some positives. Uh, he, uh, he likes Victor Mete. Actually. He really liked Victor Mete. He liked the Zub deal. And uh, even uh, was it Del Zotto? I don't remember if he had Del Zotto. It was like a yeah, positive. He's got Del Zotto as a slight negative. Slight negative. One point seven million in the negative over two years. Okay, so yeah, but again, it's so, only he's he's only making what though, like two. He's millions. only making two million a year. Del Zotto. So essentially, he's saying he's like a one point one two million yeah. dollar player, which from, makes sense for Michael sure. Del Zotto. Like he's a he's a good solid like third pairing guy, right? Yeah, this one here, like this, this one is something like, and again, like the comments, like let us know what you feel about this one. Thomas Shabbat, he had, he labeled his deal. I'm just shocking to see like Thomas Shabbat contract grade C minus. And like, we've talked about Shabbat a lot on the show, how much we love the player. He has him at a $10.5 million overpay divided by the seven years of his contract, which puts Shabbat at about a $6.5 million player making 8 million. And it, again, like to what we said about like guys putting your playing with situations, Dom and his quick little, bl- quick little blip about the Sens wrote that like, it could be like a talent around them thing that like, you know, again, these guys do their best to shot all that stuff out and be able to look at each player individually, regardless of the team they play on. But he did acknowledge that that may have come into play with Thomas Shabbat. And that's like one of the eye test guys, for Shabbat, like I know, like last year, like he was playing those crazy minutes and he was probably exhausted and he got exposed a lot. And he hasn't, I'll, I think, Sens fans, I don't want to say like disappointed about Shabbat's last season, but like based on like his rookie season or like his second year. And even like, I remember when they signed him for eight million, everyone was like, wow, that's reasonable. Like everyone thought that deal was going to be a gem for the Ottawa Senators. And I'm not saying that it won't be in the future. But I just think if the Sens had to give a grade to Thomas Shabbat last year, not necessarily on the way he played, but based on their expectations of the player, I don't think they would have given him like the best grade. And like, it's big discussion topic because I'm sure people would say like Smith didn't use him right. He doesn't have a partner. He's playing too many minutes. So again, that's why this stuff is fun though, right? Because we can look at something, look at a number and talk about it for hours. Exactly. No, I think Thomas Shabbat definitely had an underwhelming season last year. Just looking at his numbers compared to what he's you know done over the last couple of years, specifically the season he had in 2019, 14 goals, 55 points, 
And yeah, you, you could argue that maybe $8 million is a little bit too much for him, but he's another guy. And, and Dom wrote about this in his article. Like, guys can grow into these contracts. So sure. even though a contract might not look great right now, especially for some of these younger guys that, you know, come out of their ELCs and they sign like these long-term contracts, like Shabbat's a guy that I believe in. Like, I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to grow into this. And, you know, you could maybe say it's a little bit of an overpayment, even over the next, whatever it is, seven years. But Lepore, even it, let's say he performs like a, you know, a $7 million defenseman. Yeah. Right. It's like, you're fine with that. You're overpaying the guy by a little bit, but if he's going to return value, and perform like, you know, you look at other comparables around the league. I don't have them off the top of my head, but other $7 million players specifically on the blue line, if he's going to give you that, then I think as a Senators fan, you're fine with that. And you're happy for the most part. And again, like Dom, he makes eight Dom's model saying he should get around six and a half. And he's acknowledging like, yeah, he doesn't have a partner. Like the surroundings aren't good. Yeah. It's like you said, his situation isn't good. Like just that team, you know, offensively, what he has to work with. And especially what he has to work with on the blue line as a partner throughout the season. Like, yeah, that that's a dude where like you put him, for example, like imagine like Thomas Shabbat on like the Colorado avalanche. Yeah, exactly. Then this yeah. contract probably looks, looks like, like almost closer to an a contract. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, how it'd be interesting how Dom, I'd love, I'd love to ask him like how that ties in uh, the last one for the Sens, and not shocking at all. Red, red, red. Nikita Zaitsev, just under a $15 million overpay. Disaster. Divided by three years. So he actually has, like Dom kind of makes a joke in his article saying that like, I can't put a player like, negative like negative (laughs) in the way of like, or I think he actually did say like, Zaitsev should be paying the Senators to play for them. Again, that whole wins above replacement thing. Like if you have him on the ice, like your chances of winning go down. But it's the Zaitsev one and the uh, Colin White one that are uh, putting the Senators in 27th place. And again, those those middle to low guys, like paying those guys that kind of money. And again, the Sens are fun. They're fun to talk about because they have all those young kids and we'll see how this develops uh, in the next couple of years. But as of today, Belma Sijin is not the biggest uh, fan of how the Ottawa Senators are built. Yeah, the Senators are, they're down there in the rankings, 27th overall. But just when you look at their cap sheet, in general and you just see how much cap space they have and how they really haven't committed big money to anyone other than Thomas Shabbat. I mean, I know Matt Murray's making 6.25 million over the next three years. So that's a little bit of an issue, you know, considering how that guy has been trending, he does not look good, but again, goalies aren't involved in, in this model, but yeah, the senators as as a whole, I know they're ranked 27th, but I think there's a lot of positive things going on there. And I don't think it's a situation where you look at the ranking and you go, oh, this team is screwed. Like they're in yeah, a bad spot. Yeah. yeah and, and that's the thing with these models. Like, and he's like, like, again, like think of the thing we just had, Bruno. The, he's ranking the teams and he didn't include goalies. So like, like the, the rankings are themselves, like head to head are kind of irrelevant. It's just like, you know, every team's on the same playing field. We're just ranking them without goalies and then the other argument comes in well this team has three guys or four guys on elcs that are going to be great players but i guess that doesn't mean they're going to get good contracts but people know where i'm going with that like it's, it's not as grim as it may appear if a team's near the bottom of this list exactly no that's perfectly put yeah all right lapore well before we end this thing off you want to quickly 
have a conversation about the Amazon doc. Well, is, do I want to, or are we going to? Because <laughs> I don't to. want to, Bruno. We we have to. I don't yeah, think I want to either. To. But we got to talk about this Lapore. So yeah. So yes, as you. Oh, well, I mean, I I hope you know at this point because it's been all over social media. You know, they were talking about it even before the season. So Amazon, Amazon Prime Video did a behind the scenes thing with the Leafs this year. You know, following their entire season from beginning to end. And they are going to come out with a five-part documentary, and it's all going to be dropped on on Amazon Prime on October 1st of this year. Awesome. (laughs) And um, Canadian actor Will Arnett is the narrator. I think that's a pretty solid narrator for this. Yeah, uh, why not? We weren't weren't available, so they got him. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, maybe we'll be on the next one if that (laughs) ever happens with this disaster of a franchise. But... uh, no, yeah, I mean, we're, they're going to go behind the scenes for the Leafs and their dumpster fire end of the season, losing to the Habs in the first round of the playoffs after having a 3-1 lead. But, Lapore, are you excited for this? Because I'm pretty fired up, man. Even though the Leafs lost in, like I said, embarrassing fashion, I still want to see all the shit that went down behind the scenes. So I'm think excited. of what you just think of what you just said, Bruno, about how like you really want to see all this stuff and you really want to watch it. How many times have we said, made the point on this podcast since we started it, that we picked the perfect name? Yeah. Because we are going to be glued to this thing and just putting ourselves through like torture, like watching this thing. And you know, there's going to be that thing in you. And this always happens when you watch like old sports stuff that doesn't go your way. You're watching it and you're hoping for a different ending. Like, you know, you know what happens, but then you're just like, uh, maybe no, and then it doesn't happen. Yeah, because you're like maybe, maybe, maybe the Leafs no, doesn't they, get no, they, injured. They, you, the you get reminded, gone. like yeah, no, they didn't, and it's gonna be so brutal. It's gonna like you know just when like we're getting into summer now. Let's talk about the new season. Let's get reminded of what happened last year. It's gonna suck for Leafs fans to put themselves through that, but we're all going to. They chose the Toronto Maple Leafs for a reason because they knew it was gonna be awesome and everyone was gonna watch, or it was gonna be terrible. And everybody was going to watch, but like, what's going to be so bad is like, they're going to take snippets from all over this thing. And it's going to be like memes, gifts, like oh, every, memes galore from this yeah, ev- thing. every quote, every comment, like, it's just going to be like the party to make fun of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, uh, that, but to the, to my point though, like the haters are going to watch it too. The haters can't wait to watch the haters are going to be all over this Lapore because they're the ones who are going to be posting all the memes and gifts throughout the season, because you could, you already know this thing's coming out October 1st, the Leafs open the season on October 13th against the Habs. The haters are going to have the memes and gifts ready to go for whatever happens this season (laughs) with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Imagine you were a Habs fan. Oh I'd be glued to this thing if I was a Habs fan. Oh, oh Habs my fans are going to love this. They're going to, oh, God. They're going to love watching watching this team crash and burn. When does it When does it air? Like, what are the weeks I have to say off Twitter? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's October week. 1st, and all the episodes are dropping at the exact same one time. Shot. So it's like Netflix, essentially, right, when right. they drop a series and it all comes out at once. So, yeah, I, I'm going to be binging at Lapore. I oh, think yeah. I might watch... All five Let's, episodes Bruno, back to maybe, back to back. Maybe we'll do a live, you and I watching it together. Oh, I I like where you're going with uh, that. Man. Might be fun. A might live fun. viewing party. 
of and it, I think it's gonna it probably drops right at, at midnight, right? How about our a popcorn GFP from midnight to 5 a.m. viewing party of the yeah. all or nothing Leafs Amazon doc? Who awesome. wants to see that? Yeah, who wants to see me and Bruno just like cry and like be <laughs> devastated and have our face in our hands, just like looking at the television screen and devastation and can't with without any any ability to understand what has what has happened. <laughs> Gluttons for punishment, man. Gluttons for punishment. That's what that's what it should have been called. <laughs> that's not for real. That, that's what they should have called the uh the uh the documentary. What a missed opportunity by all Amazon. or nothing. Or I was saying the, and I'm sure the joke's already been out there. The Toronto Maple Leafs, nothing. That should that should have been the title, but can't wait. Thanks, Amazon. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. You know, like I said, despite the Leafs crashing and burning and having another embarrassing first round exit, people are going to be glued to this thing. Oh, yeah. And like you said, Lapore, especially the haters, the memes, the gifts. I mean, Twitter is just going to have an absolute field day with this documentary. So October 1st, you're not going to want to miss it. And I promise the GFP podcast, whether we're doing a live stream or whether we're recapping the series, yeah. um, we are definitely going to have some content on this all or nothing Toronto Maple Leafs Amazon doc. But Lapore, before we wrap up this podcast, any final thoughts? Not really, man. But to be honest, I don't know if I've ever been so excited to scroll through the comments of our video because we broke down all the Canadian teams, talked about contracts, again, using Dom Lecision's model, not Bruno and I's model on how he judged those contracts. And there's a lot of debate within those contracts and a lot of different ways teams can go to improve those things and uh, get worse for that matter. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to know what fans think fans uh, think about like what we, uh, what we listed. Yeah. Same here. And like Lapore mentioned throughout the podcast, please comment down below, give us your thoughts on what you think of these rankings from Dom decision of the athletic. He ranked all the teams in the NHL based on the value of their contracts we went through all the Canadian teams. So we would love to hear your thoughts on specific players or just your favorite team in general and where they fall in the rankings. But that's going to do it for episode 32 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. Once again, if you enjoyed listening to the show, it would be a big time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we would appreciate it so, so much if you hammer that like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lapore, I'm Anthony Bruno, and we will see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone. Oh, no, 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 no,